0: My radio station, your radio station, our radio station, 91.3 FM and 95.8 FM stereo.
1: Born to serve. My
2: eyes see justice. my hands work for change, my tongue sing the song. Alhamdulillah,
3: Alhamdulillah. Welcome back, beautiful listeners of Radio Voice of the Cape 91.3 FM with your host, Muhammad Sheikh. Uh, alhamdulillah, only through the grace of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, in this afternoon segment of our profile interview, we have a very distinguished and honorable. Um uh, you know I can't even get the words to describe her uh, you know her, her qualities and her, her accolades but subhanallah we welcome with us this afternoon Professor Khatija Moloy, who is a pre- uh, a um, professor in education at the Val University of Technology Professor Assalamu alaikum warahmatullahi and thank you for joining us Wa
0: alaikum <laughs> assalam warahmatullahi wabarakatuh
3: Um professor Uh, Could you perhaps uh, speak a little bit louder into the microphone?
0: Okay. Okay.
3: Jazakallah khair. I think we can hear you better. Professor, thank you so much for taking the time of joining us this afternoon on Born to Serve.
0: Alhamdulillah.
3: Alhamdulillah. Uh, Professor, could you perhaps um, walk us through your journey? um, uh, uh, Give us a brief background, you know, of of your growing up, your childhood experiences, etc.?
0: Assalamu alaikum to your viewers and to yourself. Uh, I was born uh, a Catholic okay. in 1948, mm-hmm. meaning that I'm 67 years old. I was brought up in a very religious uh, family, uh, but my parents died when I was very young, and then um, I happened to stay with my aunt in the barn. Uh, I then went to different schools, Catholic schools, mm-hmm. which uh, actually were the foundations of my character, moral character.
2: Okay. And then I
0: went to train as a teacher at River Falls. Mm. Uh, from there, after some years, I got uh, into Islam. Three, And then I was married to Rahman Zawani. Masha'Allah. I got to know Islam, yes. And then as far as education, uh, because I always had a passion to be educated. Mm. I did quite a lot of studies through different universities.
2: Okay. The University
0: of South Africa, that university. Mm -hmm. The university was then the Rand african University Mm
2: -hmm.
0: And alhamdulillah, I worked as a teacher, became a principal Became a junior lecturer, a senior lecturer, an associate professor
2: Masha'Allah And
0: and then a professor, alhamdulillah But above everything else, a Muslim, you know, trying as far as I could to do what Allah instructs us to do Mm -hmm. To move away from what Allah says we should not do
3: Absolutely, inspirational indeed, Professor. The title itself, you know, gives some of us slight shivers because it's like the 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 highest degree that one can actually attain in in uh, universities, etc. Uh, perhaps share with us who what has inspired you through your journey in 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 achieving this. Well, being Professor, as
0: you say, is one of the highest accolades one could ever have at a university. Mm. And by Allah's mercy, I call that whilst I was still at the University of Johannesburg.
3: MashaAllah. But
0: what needs to get that uh, Mm. uh, acknowledgement is the amount of work that you do, Mm -hmm. uh, your work that you do within the country and internationally.
2: Mm. And you
0: need to be respected by your colleagues within your field Mm
2: -hmm. as
0: someone who knows or who's got some form of knowledge within the discipline that one works in and that one, one is trained in. But what is important is that you have got to publish articles, you publish books,
2: mm-hmm. you
0: supervise students at master's and doctoral level, you present uh, uh, conference papers both internationally and nationally, and you do other things in terms of community development. All mm-hmm. those are taken into consideration. For an example, each university, mm-hmm. one would be told that there are three main basic functions that mm-hmm. they are expected to do. The first being to teach. The second research and Mm. the third is community engagement. Mm. So all these carry weight to all being promoted to the level of associate professor Mm. then eventually to that of a professor.
3: MashaAllah, sure. So it seems like a long road, you know, in order to achieve such an accolade. But SubhanAllah, I think uh, you've been there, and you've really, you really are inspiration to many of us out there. That uh, you know, especially our youth, that are involved in learning and teaching, or rather, that are involved in tertiary education in universities, etc. Education is seen as you know the the basis of empowerment and progress, as many would have it. Why is it so much your particular passion?
0: I think, firstly, as a Muslim, I got to know this when I became a Muslim more than 30 years ago. Mm. That the first word that Allah, the angel, gave to the Prophet Muhammad mm.
3: read. Absolutely.
0: So I think for a Muslim and for any other person, it is incumbent upon us to read. Mm. Because when we read, we, are, we move away from ignorance.
2: Mm.
0: Reading makes us understand even the simplest things, because... Some things may seem to be difficult or impossible or far-fetched. But if one has a tendency to read and a simple understanding, then one is better able to deal with issues that one is confronted with. For an example, Mm -hmm. if one reads psychology, for me, you begin to understand yourself as an individual, as a person, as a complex individual. Mm. And then you use simple principles, such as, if I understand myself and if I accept myself, with all the weaknesses I, that I
2: have. Mm-hmm. Then
0: it means I need to understand other people with the weaknesses that I need to think they have.
2: Mm-hmm. So
0: small little things such as reading little books about self-understanding, mm-hmm. self-empowerment, self-development, you know, reflection, mm-hmm. and keeping a silent moment to think about yourself, to reflect upon who you are and why Allah created you. It's These probably. are some of the things that urge some of us to keep on reading and continually reading. Mm. but in particular my own field of uh, specialization mm. is uh, on the concept of many organizations okay. schools as many organizations mm. what that means is that each person who wants any improvement any form of improvement in their life mm-hmm. they need to continually read such as for example ourselves as Muslims, mm-hmm. i cannot just ac- accept uh, you know the fact that i'm a muslim i need to read continually so that step by step i understand
2: Mm. Who I am
0: as a Muslim, what my function is in mm-hmm. terms of obedience to Allah and in terms of service to humanity and anything that Allah has created. Super. So that is why reading for me is so significant. Mm.
3: Your particular field of interest in education, human sciences, as well as uh, which constitute mathematics, biology, etc. Um, uh, share with us a little bit more in in the South African context. You know the relevance because of diversity and uh, how it affects us as Muslims.
0: Well, I think um, that one is not my field. My field is in, actually in social sciences.
3: Okay. I and mean,
0: in education, yes. Mm-hmm. Although my present in my present duty, I have developed a program, mm-hmm. uh, a particular of education in science, Maths, and technology. Okay, you know that will um, will train teachers, uh, students that have just completed matric mm-hmm. towards a four year qualification as teachers, particularly in science, mathematics, and technology. But that is not my field of expertise. But I do have some understanding of what the relevance
2: mm-hmm. of
0: those subjects pertaining to our current context
2: mm-hmm. within.
0: A complex global that mm-hmm. is globalized, globalized and local uh, economic context mm-hmm. because we live in a very complex and market oriented um, world
2: mm-hmm.
0: we need to understand where the world is headed to Definitely. and unfortunately mm-hmm. you know without money we cannot live, but we need to understand the significance of mm-hmm. how far we should go in terms of the economy. you know economies. as as, you know people are saying that they determine what we do for an example if one reads on globalization Mm -hmm. we know that we understand that those countries that are in power control whatever we do they even control Mm -hmm. what we teach within our schools hence they will always advise us to teach those subjects Mm -hmm. that address the needs of the economy
2: Mm -hmm. so then the
0: question that one asks is why should we continue, can, continually teach in order to address the needs of economy? Mm-hmm. Why shouldn't we teach in order to make a human being a better person?
2: Mm-hmm. You
0: know? Teach for the good of education. But that is where the world is, and that is the significance of those uh, subjects, because they then make our countries competitive to other countries.
2: Mm-hmm. But at the
0: same time, if one looks at it on the other hand, those that are rich become continually rich, and the ones that are poor remain there.
2: Mm-hmm. So it's,
0: it's easy to break, you know, the barriers between the wealthy and those that are not wealthy. Unfortunately, that seems to be the order of the day all over the world, that those that have money, those that are in power, are those who yield the force for the sort of the economy. But unfortunately, those that sell their labors are in the majority. Mm-hmm. So that is the significance of these subjects, to make our country Viable. But if you look at the National Development Plan,
2: mm-hmm. they
0: normally say that those subjects are important so that you can eradicate the triple challenge of inequality,
2: mm-hmm. uh,
0: whether it's inequality, unemployment, mm-hmm. and, and poverty. Mm. But unfortunately, because the disparities are so huge and they are complex, mm-hmm. it is difficult to really break those barriers. Mm. However, if one is educated,
2: mm-hmm. I think
0: one becomes less dependent on others to support them because we are able to think, and I'm not saying that educated people cannot think. Mm -hmm. There are different levels of thinking, critical thinking and ordinary thinking.
2: Mm. But
0: any other person may not be as educated as I am, but if a person is able to think beyond the ordinary, that person Mm. will be able to find viable ways of sustaining themselves. But unfortunately, sometimes we happen to be trapped Mm. um, in a syndrome of self-sympathy where we find ourselves incapable. And I think that... You know, I don't know much, you know, I'm not a scholar in religion, but I think that mm. whatever Allah has created, there is an answer for everything that Allah has created.
3: Definitely.
0: Despite the fact that we are saying that those that have the money wield power, and the majority don't have money, there mm. must be a the cause, there must be a way of us being able to as help ourselves to move out of our situation.
2: Mm.
3: Because
0: in many instances, people that are educated like myself do not necessarily come from rich families.
3: Absolutely.
0: Most of us came from very poor families,
3: mm. but one
0: had a vision. You had a yearning, you had a desire, and you worked towards to that vision. And this is why some of us even end up having these uh, different accolades that you spoke about. But what is important also is mm-hmm. for these accolades not to make one arrogant. Mm. These accolades need to be able to make you more subservient to Allah.
3: Definitely. These
0: accolades need to be able to. See the mercy of Allah, and actually, mm-hmm. when one looks at you know some of the things that one is, think, has attained, tears come to your eyes, and you are saying, "Allah, mm-hmm. I come from this situation, but you made it may be possible for me to have this breakdown together. It is only through
3: Allah's mercy." Subhanallah, definitely, only through Allah's mercy do do we carry forward and we enjoy the beautiful successes that we uh, encounter in this temporary world, Professor women Muslims, muslim women in today's times and throughout our history have played an integral part of 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 different responsibilities uh, they are our mothers of the ummah they are our daughters of our ummah they are they are our wives of the ummah and they shoulder different different responsibilities different um you know commitments towards our society um what are some of the challenges do you think Uh, Muslim Muslim women in South Africa face and how do you think we can combat them?
0: Well, I'm not sure what the challenges are that uh, Muslim women face in South Africa because, you know, then one would be generalizing.
2: Mm. You
0: know, I think that many things that happen to us it's because of our own perception, how we view life. Mm. You know, I think that life is what life is to one is that which one sees in that particular life, which may be different to what someone else sees. Mm
2: -hmm.
0: Within South Africa, it's difficult for me to speak about challenges of women, because -hmm. women are like other women in South Africa or Mm in any other country. And I think that in a way, they are more privileged
2: Mm -hmm. than
0: other women within the continent, within the country, Mm -hmm. because they know something different. Mm-hmm. They know that to cover themselves, to clothe themselves, is for the pleasure of Allah. Definitely. When I was a Catholic, the amount of knowledge that I know in terms of how I look like, in terms of what I wear, that was unknown to me. Mm. Many things that I have learned through my own son, you mm. know, who is a Muslim,
2: who is
0: Muslim, I things that I never knew you know, as a Christian. Mm. So it would be difficult for me to speak about challenges that Muslim women face in South Africa. Mm. But what I would say with that would be the opposite, to say the strength mm. that women Muslim have in South Africa. Absolutely.
2: One thing they have
0: in mm. I've seen in one of the groups that I'm a uh, party to they call them chats, whatever they call them, these uh, SMS chats. <laughs> mm-hmm. These men are doing phenomenal work. You know, on a daily basis, they mm. get SMSs of the kinds of jobs and work situations that they are involved in, mm-hmm. helping humanity, helping society. And with my little Islamic knowledge, I know the Prophet Sallallahu
3: Alaihi
2: taught that
0: an individual has to be useful to mm-hmm. other people. So for me, what I see among Muslim women is their usefulness,
2: mm-hmm. because
0: they are involved in all this poverty eradication program. Mm-hmm. They are involved in any age. If there's a, there's a disaster somewhere, you see Muslim women involved in these kinds of things. I'm not going to take, talk about personal, you know, situation to things the, you, you know, the home where, you know, people would uh, yes, yes. say that, uh,
2: mm-hmm. uh, you know,
0: we are subjected to husbands, those kinds of things. I think that depends upon how the individual thinks. I don't even want to entertain that.
2: Mm-hmm. But what
0: I really appreciate is that these women have been blessed because they know better than many, many women, their neighbouring women, who are not Muslims, who don't know what Salah is, mm. to perform it five times per day, not to skip it, the repercussions of skipping Salah. They know mm. what do is. They know what generosity is. And this is why, for me, I really found them to be so generous. I mean, you go to other communities. I belong to another church.
2: Mm. I
0: once mentioned that we need to help the poor. And this was not a Muslim church. Not a single person responded to that.
2: Mm. But
0: if you speak to Muslim women, immediately they then say, how should I help? Mm. You are in trouble. How can I help? Absolutely. So for me, I don't think challenges. Like Maybe other people do, but probably it's the way I think about life. Mm. You know, that, uh, life is an opportunity. And what I think about life is that Allah created you for a purpose. No matter where you are, mm. Allah just you decreed that you be where you are. Mm. And this is what I always tell my students. But never say I'm poor. Never say that, you know, I'm stupid or not. Just appreciate the fact that Allah has given me that life. And now Allah has placed you to where you are. But what you can do is to improve your situation mm-hmm. to do be something better if you feel that you are not better. So Absolutely. for me it's difficult to speak about challenges. And as I say, it's my own personal outlook.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: I think I tend to see solutions in every situation. I tend to see the bright side in every situation. Mm-hmm. And this is why even if I live in a small room, yes. I'll make it clean. I'll make it you know, a beautiful place. Mm-hmm. Because this is where I find my, It is my context So I have the power, that little power, to be able to make it suitable for me and appreciable to anyone who walks into that little one room house.
3: Most definitely. Professor, the final question, inshallah, for um, uh, this afternoon... We definitely know of your various involvements and the different awards that you, um, you know, you achieve alhamdulillah. One particular involvement is with, to do with the um, the South African, New Reformed South African Muslim Civil Society as that uh, as well as that of Awqaf South Africa. Perhaps a professor could share with us um, professor's involvement and why we should as Muslims uh, be of benefit to the community by being part of such organizations.
0: For me, what I really think is that, uh, you know, the other day I had visitors from the, uh, what was that, from the United States of America. Mm-hmm. I then invited uh, politicians. One of them was Carol Kota from Koch okay. and a young man that I taught who's in the ANC.
2: Mm, not sure. And one
0: thing that this guy said mm. was that, you know, democracy has enabled us to gain many things, but unfortunately, it has benefited the few. Mm. So this is a non-Muslim thing that.
3: Subhanallah. So
0: what I think is primary for us is to be able to benefit. While you are involved in uh, organisations such as Oxfam, they are trying to they are they are striving mm-hmm. to eradicate the very poverty that the government is speaking about. They are trying to make life easy for other people who have not had, had it easy. Mm-hmm. They are building schools, they are building hospitals, they are building all sorts of, they are involved in diversity programs, they are involved in any human activity. Mm-hmm. And if every Muslim would contribute just a small little amount, not too much, even if it's 10 they per month towards OCAS or mm-hmm. any other working organizations that are working towards eradication of poverty and to make life better for, for people, which was And always has been the teaching of the Prophet Muhammad, I think we'll be able to change the country. But what came to my mind, what actually astonished me, was that Geraldine told us that in South Africa, 97% Mm. of the population is made up of Christians. Mm. All the other religions make up 3%. Mm. And I was saying to my colleagues, imagine if 90% of this country was Muslim.
2: Mm. I
0: think it would be a different world. Or if those people, we're even exposed to the amount of knowledge and the quality of knowledge that Muslims know, mm. this place, this South Africa, would be a different place. So for me, OCAF and all these other places are significant to us. We mm. really need to strive. And that is why it is written, Allah says, strive with your wealth, with anything that you have. So even yes. if it's 10 grand, let us all make the effort to put a little bit into OCAF. There are so many projects. I'm contributing, I don't get so much. But, you know, out of my monthly salary, over 4,000 go into different uh, Muslim organizations. Masha for Allah. many years, I've been contributing. I've even forgotten others. But those go out by stop order. We mm. are present. I'm trying to get a mosque being paid within the institution. I Masha keep 2,000 rands every month towards
3: that. You know, because
0: I want you to help me. Yes. I cannot wait for other people and say, now come and pay for us without me making the effort.
3: Yes, so indeed.
0: my appeal is that each Muslim who really understands the example that was said by the Prophet Muhammad would so, contribute to all mm-hmm. of these organizations. Not too much, just a little to make them go so that they can make. Because unfortunately, you know, what is happening, the crime that is happening within the country affects all of us.
3: Most definitely. Professor Khadija so,
0: We are uncertain wherever we are. You yes. know, we are always worried. You always want to protect yourself. But if we could, I think that Islam is the only solution and answer to eradicating all these challenges that are within the country. But we can be able to, no matter how small it is, it is not the numbers. It is the quality of the people that can bring about our change.
3: MashaAllah. So Professor Khadija, good. that is a such beautiful inspiration from yourself. SubhanAllah. May Allah reward you, keep you steadfast, and grant you the ultimate success in this world and the hereafter. And continue, and give us the ability to continue taking lessons from you. JazakAllah khay. So much to you for taking the time out and being part of Born to Serve. Amen. Thank
0: you for the opportunity
3: and May Allah help all of us to become better Muslims Ameen Ameen, Ameen. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh Wa alaikum wa
0: rahmatullahi
3: wa barakatuh That was Professor Khatija Molloy of uh, um, uh, Professor in Education At Divan University of Technology Respected listeners of Voice of the Cape We'll go for a quick ad break And we'll continue when we come back
1: To serve
2: My eyes just in My tongue sing the sorrow of my heart, heart. the love of Allah combined with hope. Let's hold hands as we make a start. Alhamdulillah, Alhamdulillah,
3: Alhamdulillah. Welcome back to Born to Serve. On 91.3 FM, Voice of the Cape, with your host Muhammad Sheikh. Uh, alhamdulillah, we have just been inspired by Professor Khatija Mulloy of the Val University of Technology, who shared with us, you know, um, uh, various uh, aspects to do with education, to do with empowerment, and to do with uh, her, her main her main focus, turning back to Allah Subhanahu wa Taala and attributing every success in our life to Allah Subhanahu wa Taala. Respected listeners of radio voice of the Cape. In this segment insha'Allah we focus on Muslimah inventions or Muslimah contributions as a dedication to the global Muslimah Ummah, the female Muslim population of the Ummah of Nabi sallallahu And we try to highlight some of the contributions which they have made Throughout history Now one uh, Since it's the first show um, uh, And being women's month um, Let us focus a little bit On some of the sahabiyat Or some of the companions Female companions Of the Prophet Muhammad And their contributions Now one particular That comes to mind At this moment Is Rufayda al anha, Who was regarded As one of the Earliest nurses In the time of the Prophet Muhammad And What do we mean nurses in the times where the Prophet Muhammad used to go and, and, uh, you know, engage in warfare, etc. She was at the foremost um, helping the sick and the wounded. And Rufayda radiallahu anha, she learned most of her medical knowledge by assisting her father, Sa'ad al-Aslami, who was a physician. And subhanallah, she devoted herself to nursing, taking care of the sick, and she became an expert healer. So she also used her skills in field hospitals, uh, to see to the Sahabiyat, to see to the wounded of Nabi Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam's companions and uh, two qualities that outstand um, uh, from rufaida before we take a quick ad break is the fact that she was a good teacher whatever skills she learned, she imparted it onto others the second, she was empathetic, she showed care, she showed expression those of us that are in the health professions, let us employ these two qualities into our career. Stay tuned, respected listeners of Voice of the Cape. We'll go for a quick ad break. The Voice of the Cape, 91.3 FM stereo.
1: Born to serve my eyes, see
2: justice, my hands work for change, my tongue sing the song.
3: Welcome back to your favorite radio station, Voice of the Cape, 91.3 FM. In our final segment this afternoon, we complete the last and final um, reading of our Honorable Sheikh Ahmad Didat, Rahimahullah, somebody who inspired the global community of Muslims in terms of da'wah and propagation. And we have a reading by Sister Rashida Davids, who um, does a book review on the biography of Ahmad Didat, titled, Ahmad Didat, The Man and His Mission, by university professor and author, Kulam Vaid. Stay tuned.
1: Chapter 21, The Best of Times, The Worst of Times. The 1980s and 1990s it was the best of times it was the worst of times it was the age of wisdom it was the age of foolishness it was the season of light it was the season of darkness it was the spring of hope it was the winter of despair we had everything before us we had nothing before us Charles Dickens a tale of two cities Charles Dickens' passage on the previous page provides an opposite description of the IPCI in the period from the mid-1980s to the mid-1990s. The organization experienced rapid growth, but the optimism that resulted from the flow of money into its coffers gave way to perpetual conflicts that eventually led to an implosion within the organization. Essentially, the IPCI had been run by three individuals, DDOT, Vanker and khan for many years by 1989 it suddenly had 46 employees seven trustees and regularly called on the expertise of lawyers and accountants the organization had grown beyond the expectations of its founders yet lacked elementary corporate governance practices this together with the entry of new personnel and resulting personality clashes created a dysfunctional environment Organisational morale and productivity was deeply affected. Of the 46 staff employed at the IPCI in 1989, 45 had worked there for less than two years. Shabir Basha was one of the young Turks who joined the IPCI in the 1980s. In his matric Basha was writing an English project on religion. He read Didat's booklet, who moved the stone and was so inspired that he visited the ipci for more information he met didat and chatted with him for almost an hour didat gave him a few books to read and requested that he return within a week for a test basha passed his test and didat persuaded him to join the ipci at the time of writing over two decades later basha was still employed by the ipci as the office manager Upon joining the IPCI, Basha, like all new employees, had to complete a Dale Carnegie course in public speaking to sharpen his speaking and presentation skills, and a typing course so that he could respond to the increasing volume of correspondence. Didad valued professionalism. Mohammed Khan, the present liaison officer, started with the IPCI in 1990. Khan describes himself as a normal teenager with no interest in da'wah, who knew little about Didat when he joined the organization. He worked closely with Didat's son Yusuf, handling his correspondence, banking, sorting out his itinerary for overseas tours, arranging visas and sending thank-you cards, booklets and DVDs to donors when Yusuf returned from fundraising trips. The likes of Khan and Basha had no connection to the past. Their relationship was mainly with Didat and his son Yusuf, who employed them, trained them and moulded them. Two decades on, Khan remains a vital part of the IPCI. Khan remembers being bowled over by Didat's warmth and generosity, recalling that Didat would call him bitter, and points to the similar impact that Didat had on Zakir Naik, Dawud Ngwani, and Jamaluddin Ahmad. For Khan, the many moving letters that the IPCI receives from people all over the globe whose lives have been transformed as a result of DDAT, as well as the ongoing requests for DDAT's publications and DVDs from far-off places such as Papua New Guinea, Mexico and Russia, underscore DDAT's magnetic personality and global reach. Khan's advice is as follows. Judge Mr. DDAT for da'wah, not administration. A myriad of responsibilities sprang up from the growth of the IPCI Ismail Sheikh was employed to process foreign income reconcile petty cash and prepare wages and salary schedules Ismail Pochi was hired to manage the nascent computer division Shabir Amra saw to the maintenance of buildings and Fazlur Rahman Khan and Shabir Basha handled international correspondence. As Didat became internationally recognized, the IPCI was receiving correspondence from over a hundred countries, including Romania, Fiji, Yugoslavia, Nigeria, China, Bolivia, Siberia and Cyprus, which all had minority Muslim populations. A correspondence department was established to respond to mail. By 1990, the IPCI was mailing an average of 300 letters daily, while at least 200 requests were received each month for Ddat's literature. Basha recalls that as long as mail had either IPCI or Ddat on the envelope, there was no need for an address, as staff at Durban's Qualbert and West Street post offices knew the intended recipients. IPCI staff visited the post offices three times a day to send and receive mail. A large team received and recorded foreign and local mail, prepared replies, ensured that correspondence was sent without delay and filed letters and replies. According to Basha, this was an intensive and exhaustive task and they often worked late into the night. Ahmad Didat was unquestionably one of the most publicly visible Muslim religious figures in South Africa in the second half of the 20th century. There is no doubt that the self-taught man of broad smiles, waving arms, steely stamina, piles of books, a mind of dogmatic certitude and ready answers had a profound impact on many in the Muslim world as well as Christians who were forced to re-examine their texts and the understanding of the Bible. Notwithstanding the controversies that occurred in his public and private life, Didat always gave the impression that he was at peace with himself and his God as far as his mission was concerned. Anyone who knew Ahmad Didat knows that no matter what, he would have the last word. I think that it is to be in tune with God. See, if you are trying to fulfill the plan of God, His word automatically, I think, that this spirit permeates in the person. The Quran says that the truth comes from God alone. So, do not be of those who doubt. There is only one truth, and that truth is from God. Whatever God says is the truth. Once you are in tune with that, you vibrate on God's wavelength. You don't become God's but you are on the same vibration as his vibration.
3: That was a reading of... Um, Ahmed Didat, the man and his mission, a wonderful personality who has inspired many of us South Africans and who installs with us up to this day the quality of da'wah or um, the motivation towards da'wah reminding one another of the beautiful deen of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Respected listeners of Voice of the Cape, I hope and trust that you've had a wonderful program with us this evening and uh, I thank you for tuning in. We hope, inshallah, subhanahu wa ta'ala, that you'll tune in in the future as well as, um, uh, you know, take inspiration from the beautiful advices as well as lessons learned in leadership in being the vice chairant of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in this dunya. From myself, Muhammad Sheikh, until the next time, keep well, keep safe, keep steadfast on deen and keep my family and myself in your du'as. Wassalamu alaikum warahmatullahi wa barakatuh.
2: أشراقت نفسي بنور من فغى